Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Well, good morning, my Voice America listeners, and welcome back to Solutions and Strategies, Living the Challenge with Dr. Sean. Been away for the last two months, rejuvenating and getting together new guests and resources to share with you. It's uh, been an interesting last couple months. We have had very stressful times, and at the same time, lots of new things have been occurring in school settings and in the community. We are living in very stressful times between hurricanes and temperatures in the hundreds and pending wars. Many people are feeling stress. And it's something that we try to work with a lot on the show. There's a lot of stress amongst us all, but there's a lot of of accomplishments that we all make. And it's so important that we share those. The goal I have for this show is to give you two things. One resources you can use to help make your life better or make others' lives better. And secondly, I want to promote a sense of universalism. Universalism is a very important concept when you're stressed out and when you're having challenges. This is the idea that by no means are you alone in your challenges. Others have been challenged and are currently challenged by similar problems. This helps us not to feel alone in our issues. When we know that other people are dealing with the same thing that we're having to deal with, it's a little bit easier on us. We sometimes feel that we're the only ones that are dealing with an issue or have been dealt an issue. And with no resources or ways to get out of it, we feel very alone. And Oh, we all have problems that we could talk about, social problems, financial problems, marital issues, child-rearing difficulties, geriatric care. I have a friend who's very challenged right now by trying to take care of her parents who lost their home. You know, there's a lot, a lot of things going on, and she's not the first person to have dealt with that kind of an issue. And so connecting her with other people that also have gone through taking care of parents and, and losing residents and, and financial challenges. We want to recognize again that you're not alone. And through others' understandings of what they went through, we can learn lessons from them. In every challenge exists a lesson. There there are two Buddhist sayings that brings that, that this brings to mind to me. One The only real failure in life is to not be true to the best one knows. It means do your best always, and that's all you can expect from yourself. We so commonly expect ourselves to be able to go far beyond perfect and make everything right, and and sometimes that just can't happen. The failure is is only in not trying to do your best. If you have, and sometimes, you know, we are too worn out to actually do our best. We really can't. It's too stressful for us, we're too exhausted, and so the best may be that we all we can do is think about the problem. Now, we want to be able to think about it and have resources to resolve it, um, but we don't want to 
do what's called problem admiration. We don't want to focus so much on the problem that we don't see the forest through the trees. The other thing to remember is that you don't need someone to complete you. You only need someone to accept you completely. Now, this is something that's really in tune with kids. Kids, you know, they're not looking for some partner or some person to complete their life. They just need to be accepted by adults around them completely for whoever they are, for whatever behaviors they may show, whatever skills they may have. They're there to live life anew. They're not expected or have any past history of knowing how to take care of themselves when in stressful situations. Much of the challenge that we have comes from the opinions and the negativity of others. Others telling us that we should be doing things in a different way. Why did we do things that way? How could we possibly have done it that way? And only you know why you did what you did in the way that you did it. You don't need that in your life. You don't need people and resources. You need people and resources that accept you for who you are and for what you're attempting to accomplish, which on a daily basis is hard. You're a hardworking person and need only yourself to know and admire that your life work is being accomplished. There is a lot of stress going on in our days. People are concerned about our government. People are concerned about our educational system. People are concerned about their kids. People are losing homes. People have been displaced in Texas, Louisiana, uh, Florida. We have had significant things that have attached themselves to us. And what kids need when things get stressful as do adults, but really I'm going to focus on kids today. What kids need when things get stressful is to know that you're there for them. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to create a big uh, party or, or have some you know big event that you go off to. You just need to be there for the kid. I want to share some information with you on trauma and stress. Trauma and stress in the brain. Trauma is defined by the American Psychological Association as an emotional response to a terrible event. Now, we often have, we all will have different responses to different emotional, excuse me, different events. I may be able to handle a traumatic issue differently than another adult. But what we've seen with kids is that the trauma is an experience or a perception that the event that leaves one feeling hopeless and helpless and powerless. Children are often powerless anyways. They don't have the same ability as the adults do to, to advocate for themselves, to get the resources that they need. So they often will have a feeling of hopelessness. And our job as an adult is to try and help them to see what the plan is because when we get worried and when we get stressed the opposite of the worry is to plan it is not the event itself that defines whether or not an event is traumatic or not it's the feeling around the event it's a very old concept Epicurus of back in Greek times said that it's not the event that affects you it is how you perceive the event that affects you so you may have a pretty significant situation occur, but you may be able to 
compartmentalize it, put it on the shelf, allow it to know that it's there, but it may not affect you highly, where somebody else may be completely stunned by it and not able to continue to do what they need to do in order to be successful. And when kids are in that mode, when they're in complex trauma, they're not going to, or in stressful events, they're not going to be able to think right, they're not going to be able to learn, and they're not going to be able to socialize well because they're just going to start to feel very agitated and unhappy. It has been shown that when a traumatic event happens in a child's life, while there is a caring and calm and confident adult connected to the child, it is far less traumatic than when the event occurs without such a connection. Now, one of the things that's occurring a lot is that the adults around the child may be as stressed. I mean, look at the people in Houston. They, those adults are completely stressed out. They're losing everything that they have. They're unable to get the resources that they need. They're without power. They're without water. They're completely, their bodies are stressed. Their minds are stressed. So it's very difficult for them to be the caring adult that needs to be, and they may not be able to. So thus, what we're going to see in Houston is a lot of stressed out kids. What we need to look at is when a kid starts to uh, experience stressful event after stressful event, and trust me, it does not need to be a hurricane. It can be parents uh, upset and fighting at home. It can be a kid who has difficulty learning in school, and every single time he goes to school, it's a traumatic event for him because it's so difficult. It can be friends that he can't make or keep. Um, it could be that he has uh, uh, other issues that are interfering with his life. When we have complex trauma, one thing occurring after the other, it's like uh, uh, trauma on steroids. The experience of multiple or chronic and prolonged developmentally adverse traumatic effects, most often of a person's nature. <clears throat> One of the things that we have to look at is the effect of the the excuse me the effect of the child's uh, stressful event on trauma. And let me say that in another way: we have something that's called an ACE, and an ACE is an adverse child event. An ACE study shows that if a child experiences at least one ACE, they will be most likely to experience another ACE. So if you have one problem, if you have one adverse child event that you go through, then you might and you probably will have multiple because the people around you may not be able to handle stressful events. Thus, every time a stressful event occurs, they go into trauma themselves, not being comforting to the child. So one thing that we must look at first is ourselves. How am I handling this situation? What do I need my child to do in this situation? What do I need him to know? In, in obviously in traumatic events like hurricanes, I need you to be with me, I need you to be next to me, I need you to follow all my instructions. You know, when you have events where there's domestic violence in the house or outside in the community, again, telling that child that you're going to be there for them and with them is what they need to hear, is what they want to hear. It's what they want to know. Most of our students, most of our kids have experienced one type of trauma 
or are experiencing multiple other types of trauma. You know, our kids with autism and developmental disabilities quite often are in a very stressed mode. They're not able to see or, or I should actually say they're not able to bring up the, the answers or the resources that they need in order to survive this ongoing stress. Now, when a kid comes to school and every single day it is a, an event where he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to go, what the assignments are, why are certain kids in the classroom doing certain things, why other kids are doing other things, why is everybody not doing the same thing. These things may cause that individual stress. When the kid is out on the playground and seeing multiple kids playing and running around but not uh, 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 seeming to really interact with each other, how does he know how to interact? or kids that he starts to play with and then all of a sudden the game changes and now there is more of a stressful event on this kid because he's trying to figure out okay what am I supposed to do I thought we were playing this game stress does not need to be a violent event it does not need to be a, a an, an actively uh, occurring event it could be something that's ongoing when we look at post-traumatic stress this is a person that's been under stress for a long period of time and we do we call it toxic stress when children have been prolonged have prolonged experiences of adversity without a caring adult in their lives the result is toxic stress their bodies remain in activation mode fight or flight normally higher levels of stress hormones are essential for our survival Excessive exposure to stress is harmful because the body continues to pump out those high levels of stress hormones, which become toxic to the human body. So you get these stress cells going. You are, as a kid, unable to release the stress. So you have ongoing, continual stress that could, may start to affect your ability to interact with others and with our kids with autism we're often seeing kids withdraw not because they don't have the skills to interact but because they're so stressed that they yeah they actually do lose some of the ability and the skill to interact one of the uh, issues that we have to look at is how do we consistently calm our children how do we make sure that they have the ability to self-soothe and at the same time keep themselves out of some stressful situations and not always involved in the same stressful events every day. You'll see kids will self-advocate through their behavior and I'll talk a little bit about that more when we uh, uh, return from a break. But one thing that we have to understand is that the brain in children is developing and when it's under all these stress hormones we may not be able to see typical development we may start to see regressions in development or the inability for that child to actually uh, uh, develop further and they kind of get stuck in their development one of the uh, issues that we look at is how much of the child's life is, is scheduled and how much of the child's life is different every day with different expectations and different uh, 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 outcomes occurring every day because that kind of stuff is hard and stressful. So when we get back, I want to talk about 
the brain a bit and how it develops. And one of the things that's occurring when somebody has um, high levels of stress. So we will return in a couple minutes. Thank you very much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice. Much of it conflicting. Some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be, and our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, well, welcome back. I hope you got yourself a cup of coffee or a little snack or something, and you're back with us. We've been talking about the brain and stress and kids this morning. Um, I'm really excited. In the next couple weeks, we're going to be having on two guests who are very dear to me. Um, Nancy Goodell, who was the past director of the Five Acres Therapeutic School, and Ann Garrett, who is also very involved in the therapeutic school and is a bibliotherapist. Both have written a book about stress and trauma in kids, and I really want to have them on the show. I'm also looking forward to having on the show some people that we've had in the past. My school services director, Leanne Brown, will be joining us to talk about new things that are going on in school. Amanda Alvarez and Fernando Pelez, our community integration directors, are very excited about sharing new information with you in regards to some of our community programs. And I would like to see some of our our behaviorists come on and talk about some ideas. Lindsay Grizzle, Augie Jimenez, uh, to 
to discuss some ideas in regards to some behavioral supports to keep the stress levels down. Um, it's, it hasn't happened often, but I, if you're listening to the show this morning and you have a question, please call in. The phone number is 866-472-5792. Ask me a question. Use this as a resource for yourself. I really would love that. Now, I was talking about the brain and the amount of stress that can affect the brain. The, the brain developed for survival. It, its goal and its, its reason for existing is to help us to survive, whether that's through daily life events or through communication skills or through reasoning abilities. Stress hormones inhibit the healthy brain growth and the brain stays on high alert for danger. Now, there's actually a part of the brain that's called the nucleus terminalis, and what it does is it's an old part of the brain. It's an instinctual part of the brain. It's not in the reptilian brain, which is that oldest, oldest part. It is functioning somewhere around actually the middle of the brain, which is the thalamus. And what the nucleus terminalis does is it keeps yourself on alert in case of attack or something occurs. So, for instance, you know, 50,000 years ago, when we were all living in the same place, we were all living in Africa, some of us decided it was time to move on. And so, when we were in our little village in Africa, we knew where we we knew where the water was, we knew where to get food. If we saw smoke coming over the hill, we knew that that was this village that was next to us. But as we started to migrate out, things became more and more mysterious and survival became more and more difficult. And what the brain started to do, especially with men, is to keep the brain on alert in case of any dangers. Its job, the nucleus terminalis, even when sleeping, is to keep the mind, the brain alert, the ears alert, the eyes alert, the breathing, and the heart. So one of the things that happens is, and this happens to a lot of us, is that we're stressed out, we've had a hard day, and then we can't maybe sleep at night or we can't uh, sleep through the night because we keep thinking about things. Well, that's that good old nucleus terminalis hanging on as much as it can in order to make sure that you survive. Its main goal is to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. That parasympathetic nervous system is the system that kicks in the fight or flight. It says, hey, do I run like hell from this lion or do I turn around and I fight it? In either case, the brain is preparing you for that. So if you're in that mode all the time, that is the same as, see, the brain doesn't know whether or not it's a tiger, it's a war, it's an impending hurricane, or the bully that bullies you at school every day. It only knows that your brain is trying to survive. And if that is the, the case, then one of the things that we have to do is try and calm that nucleus terminalis. We have to calm that part of the brain so that the kid can rest, so that the person can let down some of those stress hormones. Because when a loving caregiver isn't available to the child, the brain remains in high alert. So if you're also, as an adult, always in high alert, always feeling anxious, always wanting to know what's going to happen next, not able to go with the flow, which is hard during a st stressful time, that's going to push off onto your kid. 
Jung said, before we change anything on a child, let's look at ourselves and make sure that ourselves are, are doing what we are supposed to be doing as an adult. When there is a toxic environment, the brain develops a survival mode and it stays in that fight or flight. We must move the child out of the fight or flight into a more secure, calm situation. And, and sometimes it does require, I mean, if you have a kid that is very, very agitated all the time, constantly worried, constantly stressed, and maybe he's not able to communicate that, so he communicates it through acting out behaviors, those behaviors are showing you, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to make it. This is, I, again, I don't believe in behavior problems. I believe in advocacy towards oneself. And somebody, if you can't talk, if you can't say what you're trying to say, then you're going to act out. And that's the same thing. doesn't matter if you have intellectual di- disability, which used to be called mental retardation. doesn't matter if you have a developmental disability. doesn't matter if you, matter if you have just emotional issues around stress those things are going to continue to affect you and we have to build up systems and there are lots of systems to build up to reduce stress but the main thing is is that the care providers around must realize that the child is not just acting out to act out the kiddo is demonstrating whatever he's demonstrating because he's scared he's anxious he's freaked out by one thing or another he's stressed and if he becomes if he's in this toxic environment well how how else is he supposed to respond children with toxic stress live much of their lives in fight or flight or just pure fright mode they respond to the world as a place of constant danger so if the world is being responded to as if you're going to be hurt at any moment we all know what that feels like to be scared that something bad's going to happen any moment But if usually over time we start to realize, hey, no, that's not going to happen. Things are going to be okay. But if you can't get that realization, if you can't get that that reassurance that your place that you're in is not a dangerous place, um, you're going to continue to feel very scared, very agitated, very frightful. So, you know, kids react to things in different ways. And so I I made up a little thing about Andy versus Billy. So for Billy first, trauma robs a child of their sense of curiosity. When the world and the people around Billy are no longer safe, his sense of curiosity disappears, severely hindering his internal sense of motivation. So you've got a kid who is literally too afraid to or too worked up in his trauma to have any curiosity left and when kids lose their curiosity they lose their imagination and they lose that motivation to learn Andy however is motivated by an instinctual sense of curiosity he is curious about the world and has an unbridled love for learning he believes he is worthy and capable That's because Andy hasn't gone through all the stress. And if he has gone through stress, the adults around him have not been as stressed as he has and have been able to support him. 
he's motivated again through an instinctual sense of curiosity. What a wonderful thing. And what a challenging and sad thing for a child not to have that sense of curiosity. So let's look at what would be top down versus bottom up. For a student with healthy brain development, the neocortex has control over the survival impulses of the lower two parts of the brain. Andy is able to control his brain from top down. His neocortex keeps his brain in check and he can control his limbic system, which is the center of, the, of our emotions. Now, that neocortex, that is where the reason comes from. That is where our, our the limbic system sits right below it, where our emotions lie. And that uh, nucleus terminalis sits right between the two. But the lower part of the brain, which is that reptilian complex, that old instinctual part of the brain, will kick in. When a healthy and regulated brain, the neocortex also controls the reptilian brain, which is one of the oldest parts of the brain. It's located at the top of the brain stem, with its main job being that of survival when it comes upon danger. So what it does is it keeps the heart pumping, it keeps you breathing, it keeps your eyes dilated so that you can see distance and you can see what's coming up on you. See a little bit more in the dark. When a student is living under high amounts of stress, the top-down controls fail. For students like Billy, the lower parts of the brain become the more dominant and decisions are made from bottom-up controls instead. So now you have, rather than reasoning and emotion, you have fear, stress, and emotion driving your, your existence. Now, one of the things to realize is that emotion drives your existence either way. Emotion is what leads to memory. If you don't have an emotional event around something that you've done, then you're not going to remember it. There has to be some connection for you between what event occurred and the emotions that you have around it. If it made you happy, you're going to remember it. If it made you very unhappy, you're going to remember it. If it had no effect on you and it didn't make you happy, sad, or it just made you, you careless about it, then you're not going to have a memory. Now, when you have stressful events occurring over and over, those may be the majority of your memories. So you might start to think and believe that everything is bad, everything is a challenge. And the more you're away from that universalism, that idea that other people have dealt with the same issues, the more withdrawn and challenged you're going to be. You're going to feel like you can't control your life because it's being controlled by negative things on the outside. You can remember to tell yourself about the one good thing that had happened, that you woke up, that you were able to take a deep breath this morning, that you saw your kiddo go off to school, that you got your kid off to school, that you got your kid dressed. Little things that you don't accept as successes have to be remembered as successes. For a kid who's living bottom-up control, life happens in the next 15 seconds. There is no future, there is no past. The kid is living in 
the absolute moment, and he's afraid that at any moment something's going to happen. Students who are dysregulated are functioning from a part of their brain where there is no reason, no connection to consequences, and no care for anyone but themselves because they're trying to survive, not because they don't have empathy, not because they're autistic. I've heard that so much. Oh, he doesn't care. You know, he's autistic. No, people with autism care a lot and they care about other people. They just don't always know how to express it and they don't always know when to express it and when to put certain things into uh, 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 shape or when to put certain things in and not. So when you have a kid that's living in the next 15 seconds, all he's constantly doing is looking for an issue. He's constantly wanting to know what problem is going to come next, what thing is going to hurt him next. And what our goal has to be is to reduce that amount of unhealthy brain processes. We have to learn methods to calm ourselves so that we as adults can be calm around the child. If we are not calm as adults, that that kiddo is not going to see any level of a safe zone. One of the things that, you know, since I brought it up, I'll just mention it. One of the things that we talk about in school settings and in homes, frankly, is creating a place for the child that's what's called a safe zone. It's a place where the kiddo can go and he doesn't have to worry about anything. No demands are going to be made upon him. The things in the safe zone are going to be a blanket and a pillow and maybe some stuffed animals or something soft and warm. Something that can allow that child to feel safe. One of the things that, and it may sound funny, but to fill a hot water bottle with warm water and put it against kiddo's belly and allow them to feel that warmth. That allows that kiddo to start to, their brain to start to calm down. Because one of the first things in regards to survival is, is the body getting what it needs? Does the body have enough air, enough oxygen? Is the body too hot? Is the body too cold? Is the, if the body is cold, what is it going to do to survive? And so if you can remove some of those survival things from the brain oh now all of a sudden I feel warm I don't need to oh there's not a lot of things around me stimulating my eyes anymore so I'm able to focus it on just this one thing in front of me if we're able to remove some of the stressful events or excuse me some of the stressful uh, um, possibilities from the body saying and telling teaching the body hey you know what I'm gonna keep you warm I'm gonna keep you comfortable you're not going to have to worry about those two things because those two things are covered. Then the body might start to relax. It might start to calm. 90% of life is about being calm. If we enter into a situation with agitation and worry, that's how we're going to handle the situation. We're going to worry that everything that we try and do is not going to work. We're going to get into negativism. We're not going to be able to find an outlet that's going to help us because we're going to be too caught up in our survival because when the body is not calm and when we're not allowing our body to be calm our brain becomes unhealthy and it goes into survival mode and if it's in survival mode it's going to be that bottom up rather than that top down 
and we want to see the top down because it allows the reasoning and the neocortex, that part of the brain that does the high order thinking to kick in. We cannot expect that high order thinking to kick in when the kid is in the middle of an escalated trauma. And, and I know that, again, in a couple of weeks, what I do have on Nancy and Anne, they'll, they'll talk a lot about this and how to reduce those stress modes so that the child can feel safe and can feel comfortable and can develop a healthy brain, a brain that they can use, yes, for their survival, but also for learning and imagination and curiosity and all the wonderful things that children are supposed to do. Children are supposed to enjoy their lives. They're supposed to have fun. There's plenty of time to be an adult. So when we get back from our our second break, we'll talk more about healthy brain and how we can really help kids to be successful through stressful times. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. We all have challenges each and every day. How do you relax and live in a calm state? On Chaos to Calm, we introduce you to the concept of Wrenchway, a path to feeling calmer and happier. Listen Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back. We've been talking about stress and trauma and the brain today and talking about kids and how to help kids to have healthy brains when they're dealing with stress. You know, it's I, I brought up before the break uh, that life, 90% of life is about remaining calm. If we are in an agitated mode as an adult, your child is going to have that same reaction. 
It does not matter what their cognitive ability is. It doesn't matter if the child is highly gifted or profoundly developmentally delayed. They're going to feel what you're feeling and they're going to react from it. Thus, what can we do to promote healthy brains? What does Andy have as a healthy brain versus Billy have as an unhealthy brain? So let's look at Andy's healthy brain. First, Andy has the ability to be kind and compassionate because he's not trying to survive. He can't be you can't be so kind and compassionate when you're so worried and concerned about yourself. He has the ability to think rationally. Rational thinking means that you're going to take in the problem that exists and you're going to look at some of the areas of the problem and see what parts you can fix and what parts are not in your control. And being able to recognize what's not in your control is actually a healthy brain uh, uh, component. Because if you attempt to control something that truly is out of your control, you're going to become more and more agitated and more and more stressed. And that's going to become a trauma in itself because you're unable to see how things can be done uh, uh, without stress and without uh, challenges occurring. A healthy brain has self-awareness, has an ability to understand himself in regards to his environment, has the ability to be imaginative and think logically, has a sense of curiosity and feels safe, can process language readily. That's one of the issues that we really have to understand is that when the child is calm, he can process information. As the child becomes agitated, less and less processing, especially of verbal information, will occur. So when the child is processing language readily and interacting with you and there's a reciprocity in communication, a back and forth in communication, you're going to know, oh, okay, my kid is, is feeling pretty good right now. He's going to use his higher order, excuse me, his higher order thinking skills in order to be able to solve problems, work on classroom materials, problem solve things that are going on at home and in the community. Andy is controlled by his neocortex with top-down controls systems intact. When we look at Billy, and Billy is under a lot of stress and a lot of trauma and his brain is showing unhealthy stuff. He's impulsive, he's angry, he's frustrated. Now, that, that impulsivity, that anger, that frustration, let's look at it a different way. Impulsivity is alertness. Anger is strength. Frustration is alertness. So you can look at it as impulsive, angry, or frustrated, but it really may be more about that kid's survival than about negatives. But that's the thing that he's going to show. He's going to show impulsivity, which is going to show that there's not a lot of control that he's feeling in his life. He's going to show anger, and he's going to show frustration. He can't, Billy can't process consequences. He's living in the moment. He's living in the next 15 seconds. He's not thinking about how his behavior today is going to affect something later on in the same day, same hour, or a week from then. 
He's highly stressed. He thinks from an emotional platform and is often irrational. So what he's thinking about may not be true. He may have irrational thinking. I once had a person that I was working with and, and her she her roommate told her that she was messy and if she was going to be continue to be messy like that, she would not be able to uh, continue to uh, live in the home. And what that did to her was it made her feel like, oh my God, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything that I have. And she immediately went into this mode that her brain told her that she said my roommate asked me to clean up some crumbs from the countertop leaving crumbs on the countertop now this was her behavioral thought chain chain of thought leaving crumbs is a sloppy act if i can't clean up crumbs i must be a slob a slob pig is not capable of living independently i'm not capable i do not deserve the chance to live independently i'm just another disabled person a nut Disabled people are a drain on taxpayers. I'm not worthy of ta- of t- taking money from the taxpayers. Everyone would be better off without me. I deserve to be thrown out of my apartment. They will probably throw me out within the next week. Soon I'll be homeless. This all started from a chain of thought or from a, a, a request from her roommate to clean up after herself. And because she's so stressed and so agitated... Her brain went to, I'm a useless person, something about the taxpayers and the disabled people are a drain on taxpayers and all these these crazy issues that had nothing, nothing to do with the actual issue of just clean up your crumbs. But because she was in this mode of so often feeling that she, uh, 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 that there was going to be a problem or that, that she had caused problems, that she was certain that she was going to be thrown out of her apartment. One of the things that also starts to affect Billy and his unhealthy brain is he struggles with memory and focusing. He can't focus on the issues that need to be focused on. He is unable to remember what the lesson plans are, what's being taught to him. It's very, very difficult for him to focus his mind and to be able to interact with others and to problem solve when things get difficult. He shows a lot of intention to want to make things better, but he's not getting any better because he's commonly feeling And the poor guy, you feel for him because he's commonly feeling like he's not understanding what is what he's supposed to be doing. And he only understands the immediate moment. Well, how difficult is that for a kid when all he can do is understand what's going on right in front of him and not know how to problem solve things in a more easily, easily done fashion? He becomes stressed out with traditional disciplinary techniques. For instance, you could just say, like with this girl, said, hey, you know, it's time to clean up. And she went from A to Z, thinking that clean up meant, oh, she was a terrible person and she was going to be thrown out of her apartment and all of that. 
it's because though that kind of thinking is controlled by the lower brain with bottom-up control systems being intact. We have to move from that bottom-up control and give the kid back the top-down control, the control from the neocortex, the control from the area that's going to help that kid to survive. Again, 90% of life is about remaining calm. So if that child is feeling very unstable, you're going to see him act out. You're going to see him start to show difficulties where he didn't show those difficulties before. And our job as as an adult is to come up with some solutions that may assist. We must help to calm their brains and return our students back to top-down control systems. Fear-based punishment, logic, and control are not the mechanisms to do this. So you start getting angry at the kid for being upset. You start getting upset with the child because he is upset. Now you've got another problem. You're upset about being upset. And that is absolutely not going to build a relationship. It's not going to build the connection. And it's not going to be an acceptance. That kid needs acceptance. He needs to know no matter what, you're going to be there for him. You're going to be part of his life and you're going to uh, be there for him when things are great and having fun. And you're going to be there for him when things are crazy. And how do you do that? By literally being next to him or her. These students who need safe and caring adults to help them move from bottom-up control and take back that top-down control where learning can take place. That's what the kiddo needs. The kiddo needs this relationship, this ability to know that that, this person is going to be with them, is going to support them, and even when things get rough, they're going to help them out. So one of the things to think about is like if you're upset at at a kiddo who's already stressed out and you come in with like a fear-based punishment if you don't do this this is going to happen or logic don't you understand if this happens and this will happen or a control mechanism you will do this because I said so these things are not going to work they're going to be too difficult for the child to to comprehend at the time we have to understand that the point where the child is displaying these behaviors is not the time when you're trying to do a lot of problem solving. This is a time to teach that reptilian brain, that bottom-up part of the brain, that, look, you're comfortable, you're warm, you're calm, I'm here for you, I'm going to help you through this event. If the kiddo knows that he has somebody with him, to be part of his life when fearful things are occurring and he looks at that adult and that adult is not in a sense freaking out themselves I I, I just have to bring something up I was so proud of one of my dearest colleagues Lindsay Grizzle and her whole family who they have children and elderly adults and aunts and uncles and everybody has gone through a very traumatic event of this hurricane in Florida. They had to pack up everything. They had to uh, uh, 
eat by candlelight. They have no power. They can't wash their clothes. They can't, you know, the bathrooms are becoming difficult to use. But they all stuck together and they stayed together the whole time so that the kids at no point ever saw adults moving away from each other. They always saw everybody hanging together. And God, not only do I love to death out of them anyways, but they just demonstrated that that's how you keep children calm when you're in a significant situation. A child giver is responsible for the brain development of a child until they're 18. Until, you know, you're always responsible as a parent. Neuroscience tells us that the brain drives behavior. There's a story behind every behavior. The kid doesn't just do stuff to do stuff. If he's acting out, that means that there's stuff inside that he needs to get out. We know that students with survival brains have two common factors behind their behavior. Feelings of unsafe and feelings of failure or fear fear of failure. So if they're feeling unsafe and they have fear of failure, they're going to have an unhealthy brain. The strategies for working with students impacted by trauma are effective strategies for all students. All kids need calmness around them. All kids want to have a, a healthy brain and work from that top to the bottom to have that neocortex helping them to calm down that, that nucleus terminalis. We cannot assume that trauma-impacted students come prepared emotionally or socially when they enter our schools every day or when they enter into our community. We have to help them. You know, this is just the beginning. I've, I've talked today about trauma and stress and how we can uh, assist the brain. Uh, next week, we'll pick up on this topic again, discussing more ideas of how to keep anxiety levels low. In fact, I think I will discuss anxiety at, at length, too, specifically in children. You know, it's really important to understand that kids are only a, a reflection of what's going on around them. And when we keep things calm around them, they are more able to think. When we have kids that are in situations that maybe they don't always understand the language, maybe they don't always understand socially what's going on around them, it's just our ability to be next to that child, to be next to that kiddo that's going to support them. You don't have to necessarily do or say anything. Being calm around the child is 90% of it. Well, we have come to a point where adults don't know often, is it a disciplinary thing that I need to work towards for this kid or is this a nurturing thing? Go with nurturance first. Go with how do I support this kid so that he can be calm and have, you know, and I just realized that my, the showtime is over. And remember on Strategies and Solutions, taking on the challenge with Dr. Sean, we're about your successes. And know that each day can be a new future you have and dreaming in your life. Next time, we'll see you again. Blessing. Sorry for the short ending. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.